0: Gartner unveiled the 2018 CIO agenda at the start of October at Gartner Symposium IT Expo 2017 in Orlando, Florida. And chief among the presenters was Gartner Research Vice President and Distinguished Analyst Andy Rosal jones Hi, I'm Scott Smith for Gartner ThinkCast. And before Andy unveiled that research, he sat down with senior executive partner Michael Power of Gartner Executive Programs at the Gartner offices in Melbourne, Australia, to discuss program governance. So, Mike, I'll let you take
1: it from here. Thank you, Scott, and welcome to you, Andy Russell-Jones.
2: Hi, Mike, lovely to be with you this afternoon.
1: It's lovely to see you in the office. I think I've been working here for eight years now, and this is probably the second Second time time that we've both been in the office (laughs) together. Uh, Andy, we're speaking today about major program governance, and I'd like to kick off by making one particular comment. I started, as I said, eight years ago in this role, and I was lucky enough on my second day to meet a learned colleague, a very wise analyst. And one thing that he said to me stuck in my mind. He said, Mike, these IT projects are just really big social science experiments. Uh. Do you know who that was? Yeah, I think it might have been me. It was indeed I mean, yourself. What did you mean? The utterly, the fascinating
2: thing about projects, and we beat ourselves up in the IT industry, but the fascinating thing about IT is that what it really is is a big, complicated social science experiment. You think about any sizable piece of development or even an impl- implementation of something like an SAP package to someone who hasn't seen it before. It means change to process, change to job structure, change to power systems, change the way that people operate. And you know what? Actually, IT isn't all that bad. So it's fashionable to beat ourselves up, but let me just give you some statistics. Apple's headquarters in Cupertino was two billion dollars, two billion dollars, and two years late, and that was just building a concrete thing with glass in it. A recent survey by British architects suggested that 60% 60% of architectural construction projects are over budget. Are late or both. So we're sitting in the IT industry saying, and there's a quote from ZDNet from a few years ago which suggested that 68% of all IT projects fail. I think that's spurious accuracy, myself, but the fact that they're only 68%. A CIO magazine survey from 2016 suggested that half of them do. So let me just give you some quanta here. Please do. The global ICT market is about $3.9 trillion That's $3,900 billion. So based on, and that's from the de Gartner market forecast from earlier in 2017, if you look at the IT key metrics data that have been published in 2017, roughly 30% of all ICT expenditure in 2016 was in projects. So 30% of that $3.9 trillion has gone on projects. So let's put the 68% or the 50% In context, if projects really do fail at the rate of 68%, that is 800 billion US dollars that's being wasted. If projects only fail at the rate of 50%, it's still 600 billion US dollars. Now, let me put that in context. Turkey's GDP is about 800 billion dollars. Argentina's GDP is just slightly under $600 billion. So what we're really saying is either the ICT industry is wasting a Turkey or an Argentina every year. So clearly something's going wrong. So perhaps we should think about what it is that's actually not working.
1: Well, I've been trying to keep up with the maths, and that is an enormous amount of statistical data. Turkey, Argentina. Thank thank you you very much. It's a big hole. it, It is a big hole, and you made a reference back to standard projects that we see, either buildings or civil engineering, though I do think we have in IT have a more complicated environment to deal with. Having quoted all those statistics... What are the top three reasons that you think as to why IT-enabled business projects do fail?
2: I mean, occasionally it's just the project teams are crap. You know, basically they just don't know what they're doing. The project teams, they pursue something which they're completely badly qualified or completely unqualified to do. But that isn't actually most of the time. When you start looking at what success metrics that people set out with, they don't actually know what success looks like. So that's the first problem. How would you know whether this project is successful or not? Well, we didn't actually think of that. So when you say it's not successful, how are you judging that? So the problem number one is a governance problem, which is projects are initiated because they seemed like a good idea at the time, but without really a clear idea of what a good project would look like. Then, of course, there's the lack of leadership, either during the project itself, there's no business buy-in, there's no senior level cover, or there's a change of leadership. And this is the problem with some of the older waterfall projects. So if you're in a multi-year project and you get a change of chief executive or a change of director general or a change of a departmental head or a change of a business unit lead, suddenly that person will go, well, you know, this is nothing to do with me. And so the project is doomed to failure right from the get-go. Occasionally, it's to do with project management skills. I mean, project management skills are still in very short supply. So, I mean, they're Project management is generally getting better on the old traditional waterfall projects. So a lot of work has done PMBOK and Prince2 and all of those. So it's getting better and people are getting better at that sort of thing. But some of the other problems are quite fundamental. It's surprising how few people have solutions architects or someone who's a designer. So we set off on this big project and we have no real basis upon which to estimate how long it's going to take, how much resource it's going to consume when that resource is needed, what the various involvement points and user acceptance test points are. So it's almost like sort of trying to set off exploring some unexplored landmass without a map. We've no idea how long it's going to take. We've no idea when we're going to run out of supplies. And so there's a whole bunch of those things. But perhaps more contemporaneously with today, the digital thing is becoming quite interesting because it's changing the rate at which projects need to execute. And I think the good thing about digital is the very short cycle times. It's forcing organizations to respond more quickly to market change, which solves one of the project problems, which is they took so long to define, we only got one go at it, we threw everything in, we had inadequate change control, we had scope creep and all of the usual things. So it took us just basically too long to hit a moving target. The good thing about current thinking in digital, so whether that's a very short cycle time in terms of lean startup or uh, agile development methodologies, or architectural solutions, which are things like service-oriented architectures and microservices, those things are offering an alternative model for certain sorts of application and certain sorts of project delivery. And they bring significant benefits. Basically, the projects themselves are shorter The targets are closer to hand and you can kind of just vaguely remember what the target is. You don't have to write it down. So I think there are some solutions to certain sorts of problems that are appearing now because the pace of digital is forcing organizations to move more quickly. So it's not that they're any better at project execution. It's just that every given project phase, every given sprint is short enough. And frankly, if we stuff it up, we can kind of make it up on the next one.
1: Andy, I might just take you back to one of the things we opened up with, which was the social science experiment and ensuring that you've got adequate business buy-in in the first place, where I do see a lot of the challenge arising. I sat with you in a meeting once with a senior CIO of a very large multinational organisation and he was in the early phases of a significant business transformation program, You know, tens of millions of dollars worth. And He's starting to feel a little bit of pain, even in the early stages. And I brought you in to have a chat with him. And your first question was, who are your friends? Mm -hmm. Which I thought was interesting. And he thought was even more interesting. Can you expand a little bit on that?
2: Well, I think the point about any change program, and you you did liken these to sort of social science experiments, but any project of any value is complicated because it changes people's jobs. It changes power relationships. It changes people's careers. It changes who has the ear of the chief executive or the shareholder or the citizens or the pollies. And so it is very disruptive. And so as a CIO, as an IT person, it can be a very lonely job. And, you know, I've seen, prior to joining Garner, I was in the consulting business for an awfully long time. And, you know, many a time you see the CIO as being the sort of Trojan horse for change. You know, the chief executive can't bring about change. None of his other executive colleagues want to get on board with the change agenda. So he uses the CIO or the IT organization to implement some new complicated piece of technology or some new processes enshrined in some large... ERP-like or operating system-like piece of technology. So those changes themselves are brought about, which almost make it impossible for the organization to go back to the old way of thinking. But they're also incredibly disruptive. They're very, very upsetting for the people involved. So the CIO becomes the common enemy of everybody, and the CEO will give that person some support, but only up to a point, and then they essentially become expendable. The danger is a CIO that's bringing in large-scale organizational change is essentially someone who is then disposed of, because it works like this. If you want to move the organization one meter to the left or one yard to the left, for those people who are living in this different the world. If you want to move people sort of one yard to the left, one metre to the left, you set off on a journey and you move them a few inches or a few centimetres at a time. Now, the CIO may not get the organisation to move the full one yard or the full one metre. They may get them to move a third of that distance, but that's still a third of the distance, more than would have been achieved afterwards. And then the CEO fires the CIO as the change agent, everybody's happy, because they've got rid of this evil person that was changing their jobs. But what it ends up doing, actually, is the CEO banks the change, gets rid of the CIO, thank you very much, and no one notices that they're not doing things that they were. They used to do them. They've already changed a bit. So those are the sorts of problems that you face as a CIO. So back to the question I asked that particular CIO, which is, who's in this with you? You're going to need some friends you're going to need some top cover. You're going to need some influential friends, people who, are frankly, have a lot of organizational clout. You, as the CIO, may not have. And if you really are embarking on this change exercise, it's pretty important to know who is in this with you, who is not just vaguely interested in its outcome, but whose reputational power is riding on success. Because those people are useful, very, very powerful allies. And if you don't have them, you've got to really think very hard about getting them because without it, it's not going to happen.
1: Uh, That picture that you paint doesn't augur that well for the CIO based on the scenario that you just went through. I will announce to our listeners what the answer was in that situation. Our uh, client said, I've got the board and the CEO. And because he'd gone past the business case... And the early phase of the project, your answer was, they're no good to you now. So <laughs> what that says is your friends do change as well. And you oh, need yes. to have different friends through the course and you of have to, a major project. I program. mean, the
2: danger of turning this conversation about project execution into an, into an exercise in politics, mm-hmm. but the danger is that you believe someone is a friend when they're not actually a friend. So boards and chief executives, this chief executive cannot under normal circumstances, cannot get behind one particular direct report. So the CEO may not attack them in public, but they certainly have difficulty supporting them too hard. The board certainly has no responsibility at all for what is essentially a direct report of the CEO. The board of directors may not have said no, but they certainly won't be in there. They're not in the boat rowing with the CIO. What they are doing is on the lookout to see if the CIO has lost the oars, in which case they will throw the CIO over the side and get a new one. So it's a very negative relationship with a board of directors. And I don't mean an ex-co, I mean the representative of the shareholder. And even with the CEO, the problem the CEOs have is they trade in power. So if they start favoring CIO over all of their other direct reports, that's a major shift in power, which may not suit them. So no, absolutely, if you're going to be implementing as a project lead, as a CIO, if you're implementing something for a sales organisation or a manufacturing organisation or a government department, you better make sure those department heads or those sales leads or those manufacturing folks or the logistics folks or the whatever it happens to be are pretty much on side. You know, There are some legendarily difficult industries, higher education and health being two great examples. Health is a very, very challenging industry from an ICT perspective simply because most of the people you're dealing with literally make life or death decisions and they're quite used to acting in the best interests of the patient in the way that they perceive it. And so often ICT investments that don't accord closely with something that they see as value become very, very challenging there's often intellectually difficult arguments about who owns the particular outcome and in which direction should we proceed in. And similarly for higher ed, I mean, in a sense, in higher ed, you have some very powerful people as well who are quite used to getting their own way. So all industries have those political problems.
1: Uh, indeed, it's not unique to one in particular. Uh, understand that. What about going back to program governance or project governance in this age of digital and the role of governance?
2: Well, no, look, I think, I'll no, no, let me pick up on that question. It's okay. I know where you're heading with it because I think that there is a bit of a problem with digital, and that we all kind of think the new mode two stuff is, hey, isn't this great? And it's got short cycle times and it's brilliant and it's a lot of fun. And why do we still need the old stuff? Well, unfortunately, we do. Why? Because actually, the old stuff does things like supply chain and general ledger and pays people and moves stuff around. So, in a sense, most of the digital assets of businesses sit behind APIs, and it's only a relatively modest amount of capability that sits on top of it. And so, you still have to think about a, most well, take the tax office in any particular country. If you make arbitrary changes to the tax systems, you upset, well, you impact every taxpayer in that country, every accountant in that country, you end up hitting a large number of people who may not appreciate the new and exciting way of putting a tax return in. So your mechanisms to deal with, even if it's the most cleverest, way of implementing a new tax system you could possibly imagine, you've still got to take and engage with that group of stakeholders, often with some very competing objectives. So it becomes an exercise in governance to deal with that complexity. So although we talk about mode one, mode two as being the solution by modal IT, and it certainly helps with innovation, it doesn't solve all of the problems because some things are just so complicated that you need to have the old-style consultation mechanism And unfortunately, there's no substitute for getting on and, you know, meeting with people and getting discussion drafts out and doing all that boring stuff and stakeholder management and scope management and all of that stuff that we used to do as projects. That stuff hasn't gone away. Is it getting any easier? Well, in a sense, it's getting more difficult because there's an expectation that because the cycle of digital innovation is so much faster, if anything, it makes the back office more difficult. And one of the things that we see from the CIO survey this year, the 2018 CIO survey this year, is that there's definitely a very strong migration from on-premises. I mean, we've known about that for a long time, but it is coming through very, very strongly in the areas where investment is being cut. So this is putting pressure on the in-house IT organizations. So how do you develop your APIs? How do you develop your service-oriented architecture? How do you break your monolithic systems up into microservices if there's no money available to do that. So we're going through an interesting stage at the moment where there is an overly ambitious belief that digital will solve everything, whereas in fact, from a project execution perspective, it may actually make things worse before it makes things better.
0: And we want to make sure that things get better for you and your organization. So join us on the next installment of Gartner ThinkCast as senior executive partner Michael Power of Gartner Executive Programs continues this conversation with Gartner Research Vice President Andy Rosal jones And in the meantime, check out our other Gartner ThinkCast conversations at gartner.com slash podcast, plus the Gartner webinars at gartner.com slash webinars for Gartner ThinkCast I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.